You're listening to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. Hosted by Rev Yearwood, Mustafa Santiago Ali, and me, Antonique Smith. Each week, we host important conversations with innovators, policymakers, cultural influencers, and movement leaders who are leading the way to a 100% clean energy and just world. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. I am Rev Yearwood, President and CEO of the Hip Hop Caucus. And I'm Mustafa Santiago Ali, the Senior Vice President of the Hip Hop Caucus. And this is our sixth episode, and we're about to launch our podcast that delivers real talk on climate change, environmental justice, and so many other issues. So we represent those experiencing environmental injustices, no sides, just the facts, and stronger communities. No sides. I love it. Just the facts. Oh, man. First, I want to just thank for our partners, uh, like League of Conservation Voters and the Union of Concerned Scientists and all of our dear friends in the movement. Man, we love you. And definitely for the WPFW family, you are the best. And we definitely want everyone to check out the show's blog at think100.info. Let me say that again. Think100.info. One more time for the good folks who need to hear that again. Exactly. With the trifecta. Think info. <laughs> I think 100.info. And follow us online at think100show and also hashtag think100. So, Mustafa, we have a packed and amazing, my mama likes to hear that word, amazing show for you today. Uh, we are going to get right into it. You know, normally we do our shout outs and there's a lot of still grace for those who are in the pipeline fights, mm-hmm. you know, here in Virginia, uh, up in the trees. We love you. Those over there, up there in Kinder Morgan, other for good folks. Listen, keep on fighting. You know, can't stop, won't stop. But we have this one shout out that I want to give. And that's because this is coming Earth Day is actually this weekend. That's right. Um, April 22nd this Sunday. So shout out to our friends at Earth Day Network who have an amazing petition to end plastic pollution. So head to earthday.org for more information and check out hashtag end plastic pollution on social media. And big shout out to my brother Adrian Grenier and those folks at Lonely Well who are making that happen. Let's hop right into this. So we are here with uh, Annie Leonard. Hey, Annie. Hey. Good to see you. And uh, Deepa Padmahaba. I said that wrong. Hold on a second. <laughs> so I want to get that right. I, I practiced. Listen, oh, yeah. it's so crazy. I actually practiced that, That's y'all. Right. Hit him with the remix. I, I practiced that and still, but I'm going to get it right on the remix. Padma, Padman Abba. Yeah, I like it. There it is. Yeah. Also from Greenpeace. I'm going to get it right because she may, she, may, she may come here and take me to court. I don't want to get her. I good slide because she's vicious. When I heard that she gets it, she makes it happen for the movement. So we want to make sure. So Annie and Deepa, Annie is the ED over at Greenpeace USA and Deepa have joined us today because they have some important news actually to share um, that could have some negative implications um, for our movement. 
Before we kind of get into that, Annie, for our listeners who may not be familiar with Greenpeace, what is Greenpeace? Well, I hope you've heard, all you listeners have heard about Greenpeace. We are a big international environmental organization. We operate now in over 50 countries. We do all kinds of global campaigns on climate, forests, oceans, democracy. The things that I love the most about Greenpeace is our independence. We take no money like from that. corporations or That's governments. Right. So like that. nobody stops us from saying what we need to say and our willingness to do nonviolent direct action. We are willing to put our bodies on the line if that's what it takes. And then thankfully, we have Deepa who gets us out of jail and keeps us out of jail afterwards. I know some folks who can use your help, <laughs> She's busy these days. Well, you know, I, I know a little something about, about, about that. But. Right, right, right. Well, Annie, we know Greenpeace does a lot of work around stopping fossil fuels that are burning up our planet. Can you speak more about how you are leading the fight to end fossil fuel expansion? Well, leading with lots of others. It's not just us alone. Right. Um, so stopping fossil fuel expansion is one of our top priorities right now. And the reason is that if you look at existing fossil fuel facilities around the world, just the existing ones. Annie, real quick, for folks who are listening, fossil fuel expansion is what? New pipelines, new permits, anything that means more fossil fuels. We have the existing ones, and some companies and politicians want to actually make more, which is crazy because one of the first rules when you have find yourself in a problem is stop making it worse. Right. So we got to get off fossil fuel. As you said, think 100. That's 100% renewable energy. 100% renewable energy plus X fossil fuels is zero. Zero. We got to get off fossil fuels. And so what we're doing is we're really working to get to um, companies, cities, banks to stop making more fossil fuel infrastructure. Because if we build more fossil fuel infrastructure, we will just blow past the global climate goals that we need to meet. So that's a real priority. And that's why we're supporting all those pipeline fights you mentioned, you know, from the East Coast to Kinder Morgan, all over the world. No new coal mines, no new um, uh, fossil fuel drilling, no new ports, no new permits. We got to stop it. And start moving towards that 100 percent and deeper i, I want to i want you to tell me more about the the some of the laws let me get that real quick mm-hmm. but any just just real quick on what you were saying why is this important for those who are just tuning in you're listening to think 100 percent we're here with deeper and annie from greenpeace uh, usa and they're just amazing um love greenpeace but for those who are listening to you about fossil fuel expansion and the fossil fuel economy and transitioning from fossil fuels to clean energy, why is that important for us as humans? Well, we're already seeing the um, impacts of extreme climate change, droughts, um, change in agricultural patterns, explosions of diseases, wildfires, floods, extreme mm. weathers. And that's with only a tiny, tiny change in the climate, temper- in the global temperature. Scientists globally have said that we cannot go over 1.5 degree temperature rise. They're actually saying now it's really one point. If we go over one degree temperature rise, we're going to just see catastrophic extreme climate events. I know that sounds so crazy. It's just one degree. But on a global level, That changes everything from how we grow food to how plants reproduce, which is all kinds of stuff. So if we keep using the existing fossil fuel, we'll pass 1.5 degrees. Like we've got to get off fossil fuels because fossil fuels is what's driving climate change. And we know there is clean, safe energy available. So there's no reason not to start that transition in full. So that leads, and I know for me and Mustafa and many others, there are activists and folks who realize that we're fighting for the next generation. That's right. right. And that if we just allow for us to continue this pattern, it'll have 
catastrophic results. Catastrophic results and not born equally, especially low-income communities, communities of color, indigenous people, women are on the front lines of these impacts. And so it is a matter of human survival, but it is also a matter of justice. But it's not just for future generations. It's right now. Climate change is already happening. So it's right now. There is no time to waste. So, Deepa, we heard that Greenpeace has been targeted because by the strategic lawsuit against public participation slap suits because of your work fighting against the fossil fuel causing climate change. So can you fill us in on what that means? Yes, of course. Um, And thank you for putting that acronym out there. Um, So just to back up, I mean, we all know this fight, the fight against fossil fuels has been growing, has been expanding, and it didn't start with Standing Rock, and it's not ending with Standing Rock, but Standing Rock was this really pivotal moment where we saw a very powerful indigenous-led movement with, you know, big greens like Greenpeace and other groups stepping up in solidarity, and that scares the corporations, corporations like Energy Transfer Partners, which is behind the behind the DAPL pipeline. And so in response to that, you know, in thinking about the pipelines that are coming down the road, their response in desperation was to try to criminalize solidarity work, First Amendment solidarity work. And what happened was in August of 2017, we were hit with a lawsuit from Energy Transfer Partners for $900 million. Oh, hold on, hold on. That's a lot of zeros. <laughs> hold on now, hold up. Oh, please continue. That just caught me off. Yes. Man, yeah, I was, we I felt was when thinking $900 million. That, that caught me. Go ahead, Deep. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I mean, that we, we all wake up thinking about that number. So um, $900 million, and, you know, it's a 187-page court document. And when you look at it, I mean, it's just completely full full of racist overtones. What what it alleges is that Greenpeace was the ringleader in creating this conspiracy at Standing Rock that we basically manipulated First Nations and other indigenous groups to um, to say that there were these issues with the sacred lands, with potential contamination to water. But at the end of the day, it was Greenpeace spreading these lies and that we use this to raise money. This is fundamentally what is a slap suit. It is the intent. It is such a ridiculous document. And when you look at it, you see there's there's no way a corporation like Energy Transfer Partners actually intends to win. What they want to do is intimidate. They want to silence. They see the movement is growing, mm-hmm. and they want to see okay, well, if, if if Greenpeace can be brought down, then all of you other activists, frontline groups, you better you know you better take this message and be silent. Mm-hmm. So what does this mean for our democracy and what are sort of the implications for the movement? I mean, the implications are, are, are terrifying. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, it is attempting to criminalize solidarity work. Mm. And these suits are nothing new. You know, there's a, one of the dangers with slap suits is um, there's a power imbalance. And so you have these corporations for them bringing a suit like this is nothing. But when they go after community groups, going after individuals, mm-hmm. the effect of the suit often does result in silence, and that's the danger of it. We at Greenpeace, in fighting these suits, yes, we're fighting for the organizations, but we're really fighting for the movement. You know, slaps have been been used against labor, have been used against grassroots organizations in Alabama, I mean, all over the country, and we want to say... You know, when you go after one of us, you go after all of us. That's right. Well, let me, let me say this on that regard. So um, why this is for those who are tuning in, you are you are you are listening to Think 100 percent here with Deepa 
and any letter from Greenpeace, and they're talking about how Greenpeace is currently being targeted by these slap lawsuits, and the slap lawsuits are these strategic lawsuits against public participation. Um, let me let me just say why that's why that's bad to begin with. Many of you know when we do this show, this show is not about Republican or Democrats, about humanity. This is not anything about anybody. All we would do is want to fight for the people. And simply what we're talking about here is we're fighting for clean air and, and clean water. And we're fighting for our kids because while this paper may be still around, a hundred years, maybe not. A um, hundred years from now, um, the, our children will be, hopefully. And what we're fighting for them is that they have a world they can live in. And so, uh, Deepa, um, you know, first, Deepa and, and and everybody at Greenpeace and all those who were who were involved, uh, who were there, um, as far as with any protest, it's it's important as John, as Congressman Dallas was say, caused good trouble. Good trouble. You know, good trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to get in the way, and sometimes you have to put your body against the machine. So, one, you know, I thank you. But 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 tell me more about about how this is a threat to organizing um, across all sectors and how this is an attempt to you mentioned how this is you mentioned how this is an attempt to just clog you up mm-hmm. but how is this how can, why why do other folks in the green movement or the civil rights movement or in black lives matter and other movements need to pay attention to what's going on with this process mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's a great question and you know i i just want to preface this by saying that the um the, the law firm that brought the suit that's representing energy transfer partners is trump's go-to law firm and the, the attorney has publicly said that this tactic is being shopped around mm. there's no there's there's no plan to stop it mm-hmm. and so one of the reasons why this this these this lawsuit and we have another lawsuit that we're dealing with which is another slap suit but why it's so important is because we have to give the message to these corporations that this tactic is not going to work that's right and specifically for you know for the ETP suit the energy transfer partner suit our work was solidarity work mm-hmm. uh, the, the other groups that were named is we stood in solidarity with the indigenous folks on the ground and there is a very blatant I mean it is legalized repression and we're seeing that, you know, with with all of these movements, but there's an attempt to expand legalized repression. And I mean, we can have a whole show about the role of the militarization of Tiger Swan, of the, you know, attempt to characterize all the folks on the ground as terrorists and the new laws. I mean, there's so many different pieces, but they're all very much connected. And this is very much a tactic. Um, a corp- it's, it's part of the corporate playbook to really criminalize activism. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very much in line with the new laws that we're seeing pop up around, you know, the anti-protest laws that are attempting to expand, uh, you know, criminalizing very basic First Amendment work. So it's, it's be, we're, we're seeing this at all angles. And, right. and, and but the, what I see is the hope is that this is, this is because they're scared. Mm-hmm. The corporations are scared and they wouldn't have brought this unless we were doing something good. Yeah. And so that's yeah. kind of the... Deepa, you know, it it also seems like very similar to what we saw in Uniontown, Alabama, when they tried to silence the community who was talking about and highlighting for the country the injustices that were happening there. Uh, I would tell folks about Uniontown so they know what you're talking about. So in Uniontown, uh, folks were dealing with a landfill that's there. Uh, coal ash landfill and many of you have seen some of the stories around the country about these incredible impacts that happen when people are located closely to these types of 
uh, injustices that continue to happen. Uh, one of the reasons I'm so glad to have you all here also is because one of my early mentors was Damu Smith. Mm-hmm. And Damu uh, actually was with Greenpeace, and he was always raising. Uh, and this actually was his slot on this show. For y'all who don't know his, his story, this actually yeah. was his, his slot, his time frame, with he had his radio show on Climate here, WFW. Yeah. Yeah, Spirit in Action was Damu's show. That's right. Um, but I remember Damu and all those different fights um, going against these, these huge behemoths, uh, in many, many instances, uh, raising the voice of communities. And one of the things I think that these corporations don't get is that communities speak for themselves. So when you have folks who are in Standing Rock or who are in Alabama or so many other locations, they are saying that these injustices can no longer go on um, and that they are going to push back. And you guys are just partnering with others who are saying that we are going to push back. We're going to stand up, but we're going to hold you accountable also. So sometimes I think folks don't actually get that people are going to hold them accountable. So. Uh, thank you all so much for, for what you are doing um, and partnering in an authentic way with folks, which is so incredibly important. Yeah, no, and for those who are tuning in, this is Rev U, and that's my buddy Mustafa Ali. We're here on Thick 100%, the coolest show on climate change, truly is. Today, actually, we're doing a little bit of a, a tough topic. We're, we're discussing here with the fabulous leaders and organizers at, uh, at Greenpeace, uh, Annie and Deepa, and they're talking about how they have been just out here resisting. And I have my, if y'all, if y'all, y'all can't see this, but I have my, my beautiful uh, resist button on. I remember when they hung the resist banner behind uh, behind the White House. We were cheering. I think it was last yeah. year. We were all fired up and ready to go. Go ahead, Greenpeace. We're we, we making it happen. Um, but this is an attempt to silence. Yeah. Um, this is a threat to organizing all across yeah. um, all sectors. For my brothers and sisters who are in Black Lives Matter, for those who are in labor, um, for those who are in immigration, for those who are in health care, education, um, this is an attempt. So please understand the old saying is true. If, you know, we, uh, uh, they, if we, we did nothing and they, then they came for us, uh, so to speak. This is a criminalization of the First Amendment solidarity work. And, um, and so, but, but I want to, I take one step back I, for folks who are listening. I think this is important. Uh, Greenpeace, and I, I'm a little bit of a, a climate uh, uh, historian okay. in some aspects. Right. And so for those who are, are listening in, um, right after um, this, we just had the 50th anniversary of Dr. King's assassination mm-hmm. on April 4th. And then right after that, we had there was an, an election that, that took place. Um, with Richard Nixon and, and, and others in that process, in that election, and, and Nixon, Nixon, who was, the, the, I guess, the first law and order uh, so-called president at that time. But he broke it. Well, well you know, some <laughs> things that go around, say, well, I, let me just stay focused on, right. on this, on this piece here. All right, we're going to leave it alone. Leave, leave that. So one of the things here that's important, though, is that what was amazing um, was that in 69, um, that when people would think that the green, the climate movement would would would, would succumb, a lot of organizations were created, mm-hmm. and so legal conservation voters, NRDC, um, union concerned scientists, young scientists and teachers who were up there in in Boston, Greenpeace in '71, Rainforest Action, so and, then, and this is the same time when EPA was created. That's right. And so Richard Nixon wasn't any green president. For the least, but because of the power of the people, it caused him to move. So, with that, Annie, uh, Greenpeace is about to turn 50. 
That's right. Look, looking good for 59. Looking good. Getting better. You know, getting better, getting sued a little bit here, fighting, fighting off things. But, but, but doing it so as you approach that milestone, as you approach 50, because you're there in 2021, not too far from that, um, what do you see on the horizon? I'll tell you, I've been looking back at all the things that we've done over our last almost 50 years and looking at what's needed. And I feel like every single thing we've done, and we have done a lot, we have preserved Antarctica. Tell some folks who will take and know some things you've, many, many of the things you've done. We preserved Antarctica as a world park for everybody. We, we got a United Nations convention that bans rich countries from dumping toxic waste on mm-hmm. poor countries. We've saved huge areas of the ocean. We've saved whales. We've saved forests. We've banned chemicals. We've done all these big, bold things that when we first said we were going to do them, people said, you can't do that. That's unrealistic. That's too bold. And we did every single one. And what I feel like looking right now at the world is that all of that was great, but it was all practice for what we have to do right now. Because we have to do something different now, which is we have to unite across movements. We have to work on racial justice, gender justice, economic justice, environmental justice, climate justice. They are all different sides of the exact same thing. And had we learned that back in the 1970s when we started, we'd be in a different place. But you know what they say, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago, second best time is today. That's what we're doing right now. now. (laughs) I like like that. You know, and and if I could just, we just say something up on that, which is so important because for those who are listening, you know, one of the things within our movement, and shout out to folks with Green 2.0, I'm trying to push for diversity within the movement, and um, this is an important moment for us to diversify. Um, I, I'll tell you a joke, Andy, so I, in deep, this, this little so. So I, was, I went to a meeting, right, and at the meeting we had activists on one side who were from on the climate side. Right. And they were hardcore climate activists. And then the other side, we had activists who were from, you know, who were from you know, with police reform and police accountability. And we we're trying to break down the silos. We all, you know, we're there. And so in the meeting, they got all that said, we have to reform BLM. And so the climate <laughs> folks were like, yeah. BLM, and then the folks at police were like, yeah, that's right, BLM. And so they were like giving, they almost giving high fives deeper. They were like, yeah, yeah, you would be, I would BLM. We got to fix BLM. We got, we got to fix BLM. Right. And so we're like, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. We said, well, I asked the folks in the comments, so BLM for you was what? Yeah, it's the Bureau of Land Management. Oh. <laughs> and BLM for you was what? Yeah, it's Black Lives Matter. Okay, well, let's take a step back then. Let's take, let's, let's take, this, let's take this back. So, with that being the case, though, and that's, and that, and that's what we're trying to break. Why is it important for us to not only fight poverty and pollution at the same time, but why is it important for us to break in those silos so we're not only doing the same thing, but we're saying the same thing as well? You know, the world looks different from where you're looking at it from. And so you've got to have people around the table that are coming from really different perspectives. Otherwise, you're just not that smart. The, the more people you have with different perspectives, the smarter and more strategic you can be. And it is the same systems of oppression that are fighting, um, or that are the same systems of oppression that are oppressing black people and shooting them in their backyard yep. and, and blowing up the tops of mountains to drill out oil and clear-cutting the ocean. It's all the same thing. And so we are either going to win or lose together. Come on now. We're not going to win. Say that again. Say that one more time. 
that we are either going to win or lose together. And I pick win. That's right. <laughs> and that's why we are here. And that's why we hope so many people are going to join us because I want to win this stuff, which means justice for everybody. It's climate justice, gender justice, racial justice. You, it's all the same thing. You can't take them apart. Yeah. Well, you know, Annie, Deepa, we want to thank you so much for being here. I think that's a great place to end this segment, because if we are going to win on climate change, it's going to take all of our voices, all of our energy coming together in an authentic way to make that change happen. So thank you all so much for being here. No, thank you all so much. It will be with you. If you need more information on Greenpeace, they can go where? You can text RESIST to 877-877. That's RESIST to 877-877. And also go to Greenpeace.org. We'd love you to join us. Get involved. Join the resistance. Build a better future. No, thank you so much, both Deepa and Annie. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. So shout out to Greenpeace and all the good work. But now we have, man, we, I've been, this, this is just an amazing. We have been joined by, first, uh, the phenomenal Senator from New Jersey, uh, Senator Cory Booker. How are you? I'm doing great. It's great to be in your presence, gentlemen. Uh, thank you. And also, we are also here uh, with my dear friend Tiernan from the League of Conservation Voters, who runs the, uh, the policy and government relations efforts with uh, uh, Congress and, and, and so many other things. Hey, Tiernan. I hey thought there. you were a good hype man. She's the fearless and dominant. No, no, yeah, no, listen, listen, listen. <laughs> Let me make sure for folks who are tuning in, make sure, because that's right. If, if Senator Wilkins said you got to be a bit of hype, you know, I, we'll, we'll definitely take it up a notch. So you are listening to Think 100%, the coolest show yes. on, on, on climate change. And so uh, welcome to you both. But Tiernan, um, you actually have some some amazing news for us. First, can you kind of briefly describe what LCV is and what y'all do for our listeners? I would love to. Thanks, Rev, for asking. Um, LCV is a national nonprofit environmental organization. Our top priority is fighting the climate crisis. We're working very hard with our 30 state partners across the country to elect environmental champions like Senator Booker, who are going to not just be good votes, but wake up every day thinking, how are they going to protect our air, our land, and our water? So Tiernan, Tiernan Sittenfeld, who is also the senior VP of Government Relations at, at the League of Conservation Voters, you have some amazing news for us today, um, and I want you to, to get right into it. And can, and can I say one thing? I'm sorry. I'm, well, I'm no, being no, a that, terrible. You guys are never going to invite me back because I keep interrupting. <laughs> no, no, no. You can you listen. I just want to say because she, she really downplayed. They, they Not only do they try to elect um, uh, climate champions, but they really – partner with us to try to make change. They think of in, in, insightful ways to get folk woke to environmental issues. Uh, they corral senators and Congress people to do the right thing. And then what she's going to talk about right now, they hold them accountable because mm. we often put people in office yeah. and they forget where they come from. She makes sure they continue to shine a spotlight that if you cross the line, we're going to, we're going to tell people that if you do good, we're going to tell people that as well. And, oh. and, and, and that's great. And listen, for me also, this is, I, I'm also serve on the board of, of LCV. So you can always give as many <laughs> accolades and, 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 and say all the great things that, Thank you, that the league does. So please take your time on, on, on that. We, we, we are, we're all right. We're, we're okay with that. You know what I mean? We're Tiernan? absolutely okay with that. One of my very favorite senators, one of my very favorite board members, of course, Mustafa is one of my very favorite people in general. So we are no qualifications of Mustafa. <laughs> favorite, period. We don't get, we don't get with you in a second. <laughs> Tiernan, do your thing. All right. So we are really excited because 
we are right now on the coolest show on climate. That's right. Yep. We are so excited that we are releasing our Communities First, our report on environmental leadership from caucuses of color. It's now live on our website at lcv.org slash communities first. So we hope people will check it out. But it shows the scores of the 93 members of Congress who are part of either the Congressional Black Caucus, the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, or the Congressional Asian Pacific American Caucus. And I'm really proud to say that of the 93 members, 77 of them across the three caucuses, known as the Tri-Caucus, scored 90% or higher. Wow. So that is absolutely excellent. And let's, let's say for folks who are listening, um, tell them first about there's, another, there's a larger scorecard. Right. For the for the entire Congress, and then there was this scorecard. So, can I explain the first scorecard for everyone, and then why this one is so important? There is so there's the scorecard across the board where we evaluate, as Senator Booker was saying, every member of Congress how they vote on the most pressing environmental issues of the day, whether it's climate change or clean energy or environmental justice, and. I actually am really disappointed to say that the Republicans outdid themselves. They did the worst ever. Literally, the Senate Republicans averaged a 1% on the 2017 scorecard. It means that 99 times out of 100, they voted against the environment, against public health, against the air we breathe and the water we drink. Uh, and so that is absolutely unacceptable. And that's why we wanted, with all the bad news coming from the Republican leadership in Congress that was reflected in our scorecard. On the hold on, hold on, hold on. I, 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 I thought about so, it. Hold on. If, if 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 my sons came home and they're on their report card, they got they said, "How do you do in school?" I, we got a one percent. Yeah, you had to try hard to get a one percent. Right? It's unbelievable. I mean, it truly is breathtaking, literally. And it would it yes. wouldn't be so bad if it wasn't the fact of the matter that we're dealing with our with clean air mm-hmm. and clean water, and that as you know, for those who are listening, who know me and listen to the show, this is not about Republicans or Democrats. This is about humanity. When I, when I served in, in the Air Force as an officer, I didn't serve for one side or the other. I served because I was fighting for Americans. And so I can't understand how, and Tim, what you're saying here, that people who know that folks are getting, getting polluted and getting bad water and bad air are feeling that bad. And I remember, I still remember watching it happen once early in this administration when they were rolling back. It was a CRA on disposal of of industrial mine waste. Yes. And I was stunned that you have communities that are red states, you know, places like West Virginia, where Mm -hmm. West Virginians, New Jerseyans, we all deserve clean water. And we were just rolling back rules that were stopping uh, large corporate uh, um, uh, coal uh, companies to pour their wastes into rivers and streams. It was stunning to me. This wasn't, uh, this wasn't, you know, and again, I've been a mayor and sometimes you run up against environmental interests. You're trying to balance things all the time. This was such a clear black and white. Do you believe people should have access to clean water or should these treasures, these streams and these rivers uh, in communities uh, be allowed, should we be allowed to have uh, sort of unregulated dumping. I was sort of stunned at that one. It is. It's shocking. Fortunately, Senator Booker makes well, the I, right I, choice. I, I was going to say, every uh, before, time. He, before Senator Booker gets on the soapbox, I wanna, we, we got to hear, hear his score My first. My score, uh-oh. Okay, 
It's the moment of accountability. <laughs> we got, we got. So, 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 uh, Tina, what was Senator Booker's score? So, I am proud to say Senator Booker got a perfect score of 100. percent I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. It, perfect I didn't hear that. score, 100. <laughs> my, 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 my earphones aren't working. Can you say that again? <laughs> In 2017, absolutely perfect. His lifetime score is 98, percent which is really impressive. So, yes, we are, we are very proud of him. We're delighted, but also Senator Booker and many others who are part of these congressional caucuses of color are not just good votes. So Senator Booker teamed up with Congressman Ruiz from California on the House side to introduce the Environmental Justice Act of 2017. We of the votes that we scored, most of them because the Trump administration and the Republican leadership are so terrible, most of the votes that we scored were bad votes to harm the environment. So in most cases, the correct vote was to vote no. There were four pro-environment amendments. Two of those were offered by members of congressional caucuses of color. For example, Congressman Ellison from Minnesota introduced or offered an amendment to protect the air that we breathe, which is especially important in low income communities and communities of color. Um, Congressman Grijalva from Arizona introduced an amendment to restore environmental justice funding, which, of course, is so, so important for so many reasons. So um, this is although there's so much bad news coming out of Washington and the attacks that That's we see news. from Scott Pruitt, there is good. I'm here with good news today, yeah, which is so is. refreshing, right? That's, right? That's right. And I like also the fact that this highlights for folks that the false narrative that people of color are not engaged or right committed now. around the environment, especially those folks who have been, you know, brought into office. So I'm so thankful that you guys are highlighting that. Thank you. I mean, I think there absolutely is this sort of false narrative out there because communities of color, low income communities are they are hit first and worst by pollution, by environmental racists, by and Congress, Senator Booker has spoken so eloquently about this. I'm sure he's going to continue to. Um, but so this is it is so encouraging and exciting to see so many members of Congress standing up and saying enough is enough and fighting for real solutions that are good for our economy. They're creating jobs. They're helping consumers. And we're just so excited to be working. There's a new environmental justice task force on the House side mm -hmm. led by three members. We're excited to work with them, with people like Senator Booker, because there's so much opportunity here. So, Senator Booker, you got 100, and you're on the Think 100% show, so just yes. all, all together. And so, you know, first of all, congratulations on that. That's amazing. Um, and I mean that because I people don't, can't see on the, on the radio, but I'm wearing a Flint hat. I was with Little Miss Flint this past weekend. But why is protecting the environment so important to you, and more importantly to the citizens of the great state of New Jersey and everyone out there? Well, th for me, this is very personal. I live... I'm the only senator that lives in an inner city community. You know, the median income in my community is $14,000 per household. I live in Newark Central Ward. Proud of my community. My community is rich with potential, rich with character. It's a, it's a great neighborhood, but I see firsthand in my 20 years uh, living in this community that these environmental issues hit hard uh, into uh, communities of color, to, to low-income communities around this country. But I saw it when we first in, in Newark... Uh, when I became mayor, I wanted to do with the, the food desert. So one of the things I said, we got land, we, we can get seeds, let's, let's create urban farms. And then the state environmental agency stopped us from planting in the soil because the soil was toxic. Mm. We know uh, that the air is toxic because uh, communities of color, again, if you're African-American in America, 
you three times more likely that your children are going to have be, be hospitalized due to asthma uh, and have the, these kind of respiratory problems, and that's the case in Newark. The water is poison. Our, our, our Passaic River, they used to dump uh, all kind of chemicals, including Agent Orange, and it is a super fun site. Mm-hmm. So imagine growing up in a community where you are alienated from your air, from your soil, from your water, when it's all toxic, kids in Newark, kids in Camden still drinking out of uh, bottled water because of lead in the water. Flint, Michigan is a, a travesty, but not an anomaly. That's right. Uh, there's, uh, as Reuters reported, over a thousand jurisdictions mm-hmm. in America where children have twice the blood lead levels than the kids in Flint. So I saw that my children were growing up in Newark in a, in a, in a environmentally toxic area. And we needed to talk about the urgency of environmental justice. The, the rates of cancer, the rates of, uh, of, of autism, the rates of birth defects, the rates of, uh, um, respiratory diseases, all of these things you see more impacting low income communities and communities of color. And it doesn't have to be this way. Uh, when I saw that these communities are often the ones with incinerators, often the ones, uh, that have Superfund sites, often the ones uh, where we're not making the investments to clean the water. Right. And, and so this, this was an issue I fought against as mayor, but when I became a United States senator, I, I had a, felt like I had a bigger purview, not only in Newark, but now up and down my state, I saw the same thing. The lower-income communities more likely to have environmental hazards in their community. And then I saw in America, black, white, rural, urban, we have common pain, but we needed to start understanding we have this common purpose as well. Mm-hmm. And so I set out to visit other communities that are very different than Newark often, but that are suffering uh, from some of the same challenges. Like I went to uh, uh, Duplin, uh, Duplin County, uh, North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina has about 9 million pigs, these massive corporations, hog corporations, the biggest of which is a Chinese-owned corporation, Smithfield. And they, they, there's so many of these hogs, they have no place to put the effluents. Pigs produce nine times uh, the amount of effluents, uh, uh, feces that human beings do. And while in New Jersey, we have 9 million people, they have 9 million pigs. We have wow. waste treatment facilities down there. They have no place to put the stuff. They put in these massive lagoons that happen to be where? Low-income communities, communities of color. Going down there to see it with my own eyes, the stench in those neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. You see the spray fields where they spray this stuff over the field. It mists over into communities. And sitting around a table of activists, environmental activists, most of them African-American, telling me just horrible stories. They can't open the windows. They can't run their air conditioning. Can't put their clothes on the line. Respiratory problems, cancers. Uh, they're prisoners in their own home. Uh, I moved on. Mustafa and I went... Uh, through Alabama together. And again, anguishing realities we see in places like uh, Tallahassee, Alabama, uh, uh, Uniontown, Afri- uh, Alabama, where you see again these toxic coal ash that was considered a toxic hazardous waste dumped right. indiscriminately in a community that had no say over these hazards put into their community. Uh, you see again folks who, who've had their land stolen from them, uh, not, not in a literal sense, but the value of their land's gone way down because these hazards have been put into their communities. And so when you have places like St. James Parish in Louisiana along the Mississippi River, literally the nickname, you don't even need to look up St. James Paris, look, Parish, look up Cancer Alley uh, because, again, you have these industrial chemical companies that when I arrived, we looked at the EPA de- data, uh, dozens... But also don't understand, cancer, break it down for me, what that when you say Cancer Alley, what does that mean? Along the Mississippi River, the stretch of the Mississippi River, they have these toxic chemical companies that are f- uh, putting this stuff into the air. 
When I arrived, uh, we saw the data, the scientific data, about multiple times higher rates of chemical pollutants in the air. Uh, when we met, it was really one of the most, it was the end of this long trip. Mustafa and I was with me for, for, for much of it. Sitting in this small church on land that people have been on since slavery mm-hmm. um, and having these my elders come into this church so excited not to see me but just that a federal official would come down wow. and, and 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 telling stories that i had to fight back tears listening to how many people know folk who died of cancer or had or spoke who had cancer themselves mm-hmm. literally being poisoned the air is being poisoned no, none of the people who own that company would ever let their families live next to the factories where they're expecting other people to live. And so there is a there is a screaming urgency in this country uh, where we are literally poisoning people uh, and allowing that to happen and go unabated, disproportionately impacting uh, a low-income folk, disproportionately impacting people of color. And it's one of those areas of the environmental movement that, that we don't talk about. There, I hear a lot of talk about climate change, as there should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but, but when you but, talk about inherently, right now, our children are being poisoned by lead. Right now, right. Our, our children... Think about this. Just this week, uh, and, and I'm, I'm so angry about this, uh, the uh, EPA under Scott Pruitt have rolled back the, 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 the flow that was to ban a chemical called... Uh, chlorpyrifos. Now, this chemical is sprayed on our food. It's sprayed on fields. Other countries have banned it. We know it does terrible things to the immune systems of, of children. It's on the apples, corn, uh, um, and we were moving to ban it. And what happened with the EPA? They decided to study it more, which is a delay tactic, five more years. And if you're an agricultural worker, I sat with agricultural workers in, in New Jersey and listened to their problems that they have because they're directly exposed to this these chemicals not to mention them being passed down to our children what do we value more in this country the the health and well-being of our kids or a short-term profit and the reason why i say short-term profit because free concepts of the free market are being violated a, a product, a good, is supposed to represent the full cost of that good. That's right. Mm-hmm. But instead of what's happening when they're producing these things, they're passing the costs on to the public at large. The Passaic River by my by my home, it's been stolen, stolen from the. We can't swim in that Passaic River anymore. You can't get. You used to go fishing if you were poor in Newark a century ago. You go fishing, clamming, all of that. Mm. This public good was stolen by corporations mm-hmm. in the name of profit when really they were stealing. Uh, 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 and passing on the cost to future generations. Well, that's happening right now. Do you know the the economic damage to our country for not lead poisoning, but just elevated blood lead levels? Because it, what it does is it is directly related to low achievement in schools, right. inhibiting your executive function, which now that kid's going to get in trouble, suspended for acting out when really they're addled by lead. What it does to the economic potential of the most valuable unit of production in a global knowledge-based economy, the most valuable unit of production is a human being. Mm-hmm. And now we are saddling human beings with these, with, we're poisoning them and inhibiting the ability for our children to succeed. Not to mention, again, the other costs that these corporations are outsourcing on to us is just health care. Yep. Cancer is expensive. That's right. The, 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 to, to send people to emergency room, to have them get treatments, what that's doing to our economy. So this isn't the free market. 
This isn't corporations taking responsibility for the cost of goods and, and passing them on uh, uh, to those who are, who are purchasing those goods. This is the, 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 the lowering the cost of their production by outsourcing the costs onto all of us who are breathing in the noxious fumes, who have it in our water, who have it in our soil, and stealing from past generations. And so if you're a free market person, if you're just doing a, if you're a fiscal conservative, if you believe government spending should be lower, because remember, Medicaid, Medicare, all these things have cost. Right. Yeah. There's morally, economically, American competitiveness. Why are we letting the Chinese outsource their pollution to us in the pork production industry on places like Dublin County and take the finished product? It's almost like the colonialism of old um, now happening to us through Chinese companies. So I don't care what perspective you're a fiscal conservative, a libertarian, uh, uh, if you're 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 uh, 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 a, a, a believer in the moral values of this country. It violates every principle there is, all in the name of short-term profits, long-term costs. Hmm. Well, Senator Booker, one thing that I really appreciate about you is that you actually get at it. And what I mean by that is that you go to the places, you spend time with the folks, and all the administrations I work for, I used to always say, if you're going to create policy, then you need to actually understand what's really going on on the ground. And I really appreciate that. So I know that you, along with Congressman Ruiz, created the Environmental Justice Act of 2017. Um, can you talk a little bit about how that will impact our most vulnerable communities? Yeah, but, and, and what that is. Sure. Yeah. But first of all, you're, you're kind of messed up because yeah. what he's saying about me, yeah. It's the truth about him, too. And you both are activists. You know, uh, one of my favorite books, In Search of My Mother's Garden by Alice Walker, she says, the true revolutionary is always concerned with the least glamorous stuff, raising a child's reading level, filling out food stamp forms, because folks right. eat revolution or not. The real revolutionary is always close enough to the people to be there for them when they're needed. You all are grounded and rooted in your communities. And you and I, it was, one of the, it was a great trip I took with you. You know, you 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 have a you have a what's the old saying? Who you are speaks so loudly I can't hear what you say. Mm -hmm. I just saw the way you dealt with folk and connected with folk. I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. The Environmental uh, uh, Justice Act was not written by me in a bubble. It was really written in partnership with some of the best organizations, one of which is the one you're on the board of, and other environmental grassroots environmental groups, where we asked them. What, 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 what they need in federal legislation. And so the wisdom, and, and again, Mustafa is one of those folks who was inside a, a progressive administration, saw what was needed, and we incorporated ideas. One of which, again, comes from Mustafa's experience, which is, hey, codify a lot of these executive orders, uh, in legislation. Uh, that we're dealing with environmental justice so they're not just swept away uh, by uh, unfriendly administrations such as the one we have right now. Um, give power back to the people That's right. um, uh, by letting uh, individuals or communities take legal action that was eviscerated uh, by Supreme Court decisions so that they can file lawsuits to protect themselves from the environmental harm. Wouldn't that be great if the people in Newark uh, themselves could be suing companies? Uh, for per federal permitting, uh, um, you know, when you just say, I want to put a plant here, you can look at that one plant in isolation and say, okay, you get a permit. Mm -hmm. But what we uh, do in this bill is say, no, you have to look at the uh, totality of the circumstances in which you're putting that, con that into the community. So look at, look at the cumulative impact of, of that specific uh, plant, because now you have to suddenly realize that plant is next to an incinerator, which is next to uh, a crisscrossing of highways. All of these things create in a larger environment um, that is unacceptable, so we're not going to issue that permit. So this is a piece of legislation that does a lot of things from empowering 
empowering the communities to be able to fight back, uh, to creating more restrictions on, on federal agencies to have to take into account environmental justice and make sure the progress that people like Mustafa did, who were in the belly of the beast, uh, serving in administration, a lot of the things that they fought for, hard ground that they won. Because remember, we're in, a, we're in the moonwalk phase, uh, Michael Jackson's moonwalk phase, where you see voting rights being taken away, uh, women's rights being taken away. Uh, all, a lot of these gains, we're losing them. So we want to make sure when we, when we gain ground, we cement that ground. And that's what, that's what this legislation is trying to do. And, and the climate movement, the environmental movement, sometimes folks have a disconnect between the voting process or, the, or a civic process, if you will. Can you talk about how important that is, if we're serious about winning on these issues? Yeah, I, I think that we all hear it. I, 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 when I campaign for uh, my colleagues or even for Secretary Clinton, I go around the country, and sometimes I'm sitting in that barber chair, but you guys are laughing like, Booker, you don't got any hair to cut. Um, I still have to shave the stubble every once in a while. I see it. I see it. I see it. I see it. Okay. These are mean people over here. Um, and, uh, but I uh, sit in that barber chair, and I get cynicism from, from the community. It's like, you know, wh why, why are we voting? Nothing changes. Why are we voting? And I usually have to break it down to them, all the things uh, that the Obama administration has had done that they don't, may not see immediately, uh, but it means a lot that you have access to health care that you didn't have before. You can't be denied health care. It means a lot that uh, uh, the, the Obama administration got resources to my community in Newark to help us with affordable housing. You can go through the things that people might not realize, but in Newark, I could point to parks to housing to things that we appreciate in our community and so we've got to we've got to understand that there is this design going on i just came back from florida on sunday where one in every five black people can't vote because of felony disenfranchisement mm -hmm. now they have if you're if you're listening to this in florida there's a there's a ballot initiative to change the constitution they need 60 percent threshold to get there so please vote but People wonder, well, how did that happen? Well, if you go back to the original le state legislative debates about why this was happening, it was designed to prevent African Americans from voting. Mm -hmm. And 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 so whether it was century, a century old legislation uh, laws that have prevented blacks to vote, to the rolling back of the Civil Rights Act, there to, to voter restriction laws like voter ID laws, or pulling out vo polling places from uh, certain communities, or uh, uh, needing an ID, all of these things. Are, are working to do to suppress the votes of poor folks, of minority folks, uh, and others. And, and why is that? It's because when, when you know, Alice Walker said, again, I keep quoting her, uh, sage sister, um, you know, when she says that the most common way people give up their power is not realizing they have it in right. the first place, yeah. is, is, is if African-Americans in this last Clinton election, if African-Americans had voted about 85% or so, of the Obama level of voting in, in places like Michigan, uh, we would have President Clinton right now. Mm -hmm. And so we can decide the, the outcome of events. And I'll give you the, the example close to home for me. In 2008, when I went to vote for Obama in Newark, lying around the polling place, I get up at the end of the line, I'm mayor of the city, there's no niceties. The woman at the end of the line looks at me and says, don't you think you're cutting in this line now? <laughs> <laughs> you know, no hello, mayor, how you doing? And, you know, and I wait long time to vote. One year later, mm -hmm. it's a gubernatorial election, a governor's election. I go no line. I walk in, hug the poll worker because she looks so lonely. Mm -hmm. And then Chris Christie edged out our incumbent Democrat. What's one of the first things he did? He pulls us out of regional greenhouse gas agreements, which is to stop the that that 
toxic air often coming from coal plants from coming into our communities. Regional agreements. Not only did he cut Planned Parenthood, cut the earned income tax credit, and everybody wants to say to me, when they see these things happening, why are the Republicans doing this to us? Mm. And I'm like, the Republicans didn't do this to us. We did it to ourselves. Because the opposite of justice is often not injustice, it's inaction. It's, it's apathy, it's indifference. Mm. And so this is a moment in American history where the importance of voting has never been greater. Um, I've now seen, unfortunately, as a, as a, as a, as a senator, what one vote, what one vote can do. I look at the times that the vice president has had to come in and break ties. Mm -hmm. He was there today mm -hmm. breaking another tie. And guess what this tie that he came to break was? Auto dealers and their ability to discriminate based upon race. We've seen through studies that, that, that different credit is given to different people, not on their credit worthiness, mm -hmm. but on the color of their skin. And, and so if you think that the things that are happening don't matter, that one vote in the Senate, one Senate seat, could make a difference between Betsy DeVos. That had to be a tie. That tie had to be broken by the vice president. And so all of these elections really do matter. And they matter, especially when it comes to fundamental things like our health and safety. What Scott Pruitt is doing right now, rolling back the Clean Air Act, rolling back the clean power plant. You can literally measure the number of the, the amount of tons of, 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 of these substances that are going to be put into our air. And those correlate not just to asthma rates, but they correlate to death rates of the amount of the, the toxins being in the air. And so, and, and who dies from these things? Mm -hmm. It's usually the most vulnerable, uh, vulnerable people. I love how you said the first and the worst. It hits first to the communities that are vulnerable, and it, and it often hits them worst. Yeah. You know, I, I, and I know, man, this, this was an amazing show. We actually, uh, if you're tuning in, you're listening to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change, and I think I wanna, this might be our, our last question. Maybe we get one more, but I actually want to give you this question this way. Um, I want you to, because we both know you, and you are phenomenal. Thank you for your service. Thank you for getting your 100% on the LCV's I appreciate that. scorecard. But right now, we're in a time where Americans are hurting. Young children are marching for our lives. Uh, when Dr. King marched for, marched for jobs and justice, Right for equality, we now have children who are fighting and marching for existence. Um, people are upset and marching because people of color just feel everywhere they go, their lives could be at risk. Um, you have things going on where, man, this EPA and their folks are yelling boot Pruitt every single day because they just can't believe that he would continue to do what he's doing. If you can just, not just even as Senator Booker, but it says, as just an American, knowing that people are hurting, yeah, and you could just speak to them right now on this show, what would you want to tell them? Well, I, since this is probably the last thing I say, I first want to say that pay attention to what people say about other folks because it's often more a reflection of them than who they're talking about. Mm. And I listen to the way Donald Trump talks about other people. That's more a reflection of who he is than the people he's criticizing. But as the flip side goes, you said some kind words about me, and I think that says a lot more about you and your graciousness uh, uh, and your grace than it does about me. So, so thank you for those words, but I, I push them right back on you. Within uh, days of the, of the Parkland shooting, uh, Shahad Smith on my block was murdered with an assault weapon mm -hmm. at the top of my block. Uh, I, 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 I see folk in my community who have every reason to be angry, and anger is a productive emotion, every reason to be cynical, um, every reason to be 
uh, to hurt. And I always say, if America hasn't broken your heart, you don't love her enough. Mm-hmm. We all should be hurting right now. Um, but I, I just want to just close with the, the woman on the fifth floor of the projects, Miss Virginia Jones, who uh, was my tenant leader when I lived in, in, in Brick Towers for about 10 years, which were the, the, the high rises at the top of the, the street where I lived. And Shahad lived in those buildings with me. And she taught me that hope is relational. You cannot have great hope without great despair. That hope is the active conviction that despair will not have the last word. And her son was murdered in the 1980s in the building I would eventually move into. And she never left. Now, she and I were two of the highest net worth earners to live in these low-income housing. She refused to leave because she loved the community so much, despite her pain, despite her hurt. And I remember one of my worst days in my journey as an adult was in 2004, the first time I'd ever been a young man was shot. I was right there trying to stop him from bleeding to death. It is one of the most gruesome things in the world that you've ever seen. Foamy blood coming out of his mouth, blood pouring from his chest. And I still remember the, the, the chief of police, uh, the, the police director for the mayor I ran against was there. To this day, to this day he says, I looked, I looked uh, uh, in shock. And I still remember what Ms. Jones did to me. I, I, was, I, was, I wept through the night angry at my country, blackness filling my heart and soul. Next morning, I come out and I see Miss Jones across the courtyard. She opens her arms for me. She didn't even say a word. She just knew I was hurt. And I ran over. She hugged me, held me. I started crying again. She rubbed my back. and She said two things over and over again to me. It's just two words, two words over and over. She said, stay faithful, stay faithful, stay faithful. Mm-hmm. And so we've, we've come this far by faith, man. We've, we've gone, our ancestors have gone through more, worse trials, but they stayed faithful. That worse heartbreak, worse, worse tragedy. They stayed faithful, and we can't give up now. We've got to. We've got to carry this torch. The short time we're going to be holding, we've got to gain some ground. Thanks for joining us this week on Think One Hundred Percent, the coolest show on climate change a hip-hop caucus platform. Let's keep this important dialogue going. Be a part of the conversation by following us on social media at Think100Show and at Hip Hop Caucus. Visit our website at think100.info for blog content, information on upcoming events, or to connect with us. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe wherever podcasts are available so you'll never miss an episode. Rate and review us or simply tell a friend. Climate change impacts all of us. And if we think 100%, we can achieve a 100% sustainable and just world together. Think 100. Think 100.